Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. I'm going to open up with prayer. Glory to your name, Father. Lord, prepare us to be a sanctuary, tried and true, who you can work through. Take away our stony hearts and give us hearts of flesh again. Fill up the vacant spots with your word to take root and be firmly planted and grounded. Weed out the thorns for your word that we're gonna hear today to bring increase in our hearts and minds a hundredfold. Father, I come and petition your court with an earnest expectation and an advanced thank you for the harvest of souls that we're going to see this day in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, I ask you to continue to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, it will be only those things you want me to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, welcome. <laughs> and just in case we get caught up, I pray the Lord we do. By the end of the service, let me just wish you a happy Mother's Day now. Thank you. Well, thank you. And mothers don't necessarily have to birth a child in naturally, but you have birthed spiritual children, and so you are still a mother. Amen? Now, I, I want to read uh, the devotional for tomorrow because it's talking about honoring mothers, and it says, thank you, Mom. And the scripture that is supporting this devotional is Ephesians 6, 2 and it comes with the New King James Version. It says, there is no assignment on earth that requires the array of skills and understanding needed by a mom in fulfilling her everyday duties. Stop and think about what her job involves. She must be a resident psychologist, <laughs> a doctor, a theologian, educator, nurse, chef, taxi driver, fire marshal, an occasional police officer. <laughs> Try to imagine what it would cost you to go out and hire all those skill sets. And even if you could, how would you know that you could trust them? Go ahead, join mom on a mid-morning visit to the uh, pediatrician after sitting for 45 minutes with a cranky, feverish toddler on her lap, she and her baby are finally ushered into the examining room. The doctor checks out the sick child and then tells the mom with a straight face, be sure you keep him quiet for four or five days. Don't let him scratch the rash. Make certain he keeps the medicine down and you want to watch his stool. That's in addition to everything else I just told you she does, okay? Yeah, sure, Doc. Any other suggestions? Just one. This disease is contagious. So keep your other four kids away from him. <laughs> and I'll see you in a week. The amazing thing is that most mothers would get this job done and they would do it with love and wisdom. 
That's because God made them good at what they do. And he gave them a passion for their children. They would quite literally lay down their lives to protect the children entrusted to their care. And that's why they are deserving of our admiration on Mother's Day and all the other days of the year. So word for you today is honor your mother. Amen. Amen. So that word wisdom is really the theme of my message today as I talk about mothers and the celebration of Mother's Day. And so uh, the title is, and I don't have a particular scripture because I have a lot of scriptures throughout the message. Who is your mother? <laughs> we, we always hear that little saying in the street, who's your daddy? Well, who's your mother? The biblical understanding of motherhood is a female parent who carries, give birth to, and cares for a child. Motherly virtues, compassion for children, comfort of children, and sorrow for children. And the scriptures that support that is Jeremiah 31:15 and Matthew 2, uh, 18. Okay. She is a person who carries and give birth to a child. She's responsible for those good motherly virtues that represents righteousness and her children. And she has a certain compassion. Only a mother who has to be a female have a certain compassion for children. Help me, Holy Ghost, because there's a whole lot of stuff I need to say and a certain comfort for their children when they're in sorrow. This can only happen through a mother, a female, where it's healing and it's changing. Now, you're probably saying, well, what happens in a relationship where a father is left to raise their children and there's no mother? Or what happens in a relationship where the mother is raising the children without the father? Well, we just heard about the I am. <laughs> so when situations happen like that, then God steps in and take the place of the absent party. Amen. Outside of that, the normal family that God set up requires a male and a female. Because the qualities and virtues that he put in each gender determines their position of operation in the family structure and it can only be done through that gender. Um, okay? The fact that God will use a human mother to bring his son into the world has bestowed upon motherhood the greatest honor. Mary was chosen. That's the greatest honor that could ever be bestowed on a person to have birthed in the savior of the world, her savior, okay? In John 19, verses 25 through 27, Jesus set an example for all to follow by the provisions he made for his mother. Now remember when he was on the cross 
and he told, he told John to take care of Mary. And he says, your mother. I'm leaving her in your care. I want you to be responsible for her. Jesus also made plain that devotion to God must take precedence to that of a mother. Matthew 12, 46 through 50. Even in the Old Testament, Old Testament Genesis 2, 24, indicated that a man's devotion to his wife supersedes that to his mother. Isn't that interesting? Women was given by God intuition that qualified them to carry the seed. Men was given by God practicality that suggests that they are leaders. We just need to get in our role. <laughs> but together in Christ, working together provides a perfect balance. Together in Christ, fulfilling your role as that particular gender, when we bring those two to together, it brings a perfect balance. God created mankind, okay? So when we see that the, the female has natural abilities to carry and give birth to the seed, to be a virtuous person before that person, to have compassion and give out comfort, what we see with the father that he provides by leading the family, the children, the wife, in the right path, how he's able to provide education for their future. In other words, his responsibility is to encourage and help direct the child's vision. For the Bible says, young men have visions, old men dream dreams. So the man's position is, is to be able to recognize the vision that God put in the child and help direct them in the path that God will have them to go. We have great responsibilities as parents. If we catch on to God's plan, then a whole lot of craziness that's going on in our world would not be happening. We just need to get on board with what God has done or planned when he created us, male and female. Now, there are biblical women who use wisdom and are good examples of motherhood. But let's talk about wisdom. In Proverbs 9:10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. See, this is why our world is upside down, because they don't have the fear of the Lord. They don't understand. They don't accept the Lord. They think they got it going on. So they turn and perverted everything that God created in a different direction. And therefore, we have great chaos, confusion, turmoil, and danger in our world because we're not doing it his way. We've turned things upside down. Okay? And so if you want to get it right, you got to fear God first. Your fear for God will then allow you, enable you to do it his way and not your way. Amen. And wisdom is having the knowledge of how much you need 
Christ every day and every moment. Now, marriage is the representation of Jesus' relationship with the body of Christ. Now, go over to Genesis uh, chapter 2. I'm going to be kind of all over the place because this is how God gave it to me. And I asked him to, to give, give me what he will have us to know out of his word. So I'm going to trust him. Amen. And I hope you guys follow. Okay, in uh, Genesis 2, in verse 18, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. Hmm. A helpmeet is a helper, helper that is compatible to him. Okay, I, I, need to say this, I need to say this again. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make him a help meet. And that help meet is a helper who is compatible and comparable to him. God created us in his image. And once he created us physically in his image, he blew breath in us so we have the spirit of God in us that will lead God direct us amen so when he put the two opposite sex together he created everything that they needed between the two where that they can function and flow properly they will have the necessary support God in his genius gave man someone who's comparable to his spirit that can help be by the man's side and keep him on the right track, keep him encouraged and, and, and to uh, take up where his lack is so that he can com complete each other rather than competing against each other. And when we do it that way, you'll have the perfect union. And there will be peace and unity. It has to be worked at. It just doesn't flow because you woke up breathing. It's something that we have to be conscious of. That's why wisdom is so important. This is why God tells us in the book of James to seek wisdom. Because only godly wisdom can tell us how to live as human beings and cohabitate together when we're so vastly different. Amen. Now, God's creation of man and the woman was never an afterthought. It was intentional. He didn't happen to decide to do that after he created the animals and the birds and all of that, okay? He had intended to do that. However, the struggles we are experiencing always fall back on the sin in the garden. You see, you're thinking, well, you know, you're hearing all of these wonderful things, but yet I'm struggling and we have struggles and why? It goes back to the garden. It was not God's original plan for man, for mankind. But because of that sin in the garden, now we have to struggle to live the way God originally created us to live, like what I just talked about. Amen. 
Okay? So we are experiencing the result of the fall that happened in the garden, which demonstrates the desires of Satan. And his desire was to be like God. That's why he lied to the woman to get her to sin so that she will have a competitive mindset to be like God. And in doing so, that she's going to overpower the leadership of the man. Wake us up, Jesus. All I'm trying to do is lay the foundation of why we're in the battles that we're in, why we act so foolish, why we act so crazy. I'm just trying to let you know because it's the result of sin and Satan is trying to work it. Okay, when we understand the root cause of why we behave the way we we behave, then we know how to petition God's court to change from that way and become who he created us to be. He is a gentleman. He's just not going to invade your stupidness. He's just not going to invade your dysfunctionalism because you are like that. He's only going to invade and come in because you invite him to come in and do the work is necessary to get rid of the mess that you're fighting with that you're struggling with that you are in in the midnight hour fretting over and sometimes don't even know that's what you're fretting over Mm, glory hallelujah Jesus so when we act out from the intentions and character of how God created us we are acting out of a perverted character of Satan which are the resurrected sins that Satan incited in the garden, such as selfishness, greed, competition. Because, see, that, that sin was set up when Satan says, oh, God don't want you to eat from that tree because you'll be like him. So now the spirit of competition is in us. When they were so foolish, you were already like God. He created you in his image. You didn't need to try to get above God. He provided everything that you needed. We didn't, we, if, if they hadn't sinned, we wouldn't have to work. We wouldn't have to wear clothes. We will always be satisfied, full. No sickness, no disease, no depression, no battling. No, 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 sin didn't even exist. Do you understand what God, his original plan was for us? Just to be here and soar in the beauty of nature and to love unconditionally with no handicaps, no competitiveness, no battling. There would be no idolatry, no adultery, no fornication, no killing. None of that. As a result of sin, animals got crazy and became dangerous. And they're waiting for the return of Jesus, (laughs) just like we are. Okay. As a result of that sin, then we're struggling to be something that we are already. And because we don't recognize the greatness of who we are through God, then we struggle to try to be like other broken humans. Are we so intelligent that you want to mimic a broken soul? 
Because if you're breathing and living on this side of heaven, you're broken. I don't care how long you've been in church or been in Christ. You are broken and you won't be right to Jesus come back and get us. So the game plan is to try to be as right as we can be until he returns. Mm. Now, what we need to understand is that, oh, wait, no, let me, oh, I got some more stuff to talk about, about us. <laughs> We're disloyal, double-minded, distrustful, and liars. And all of that produces extreme anger, bitterness, hatred in us. In other words, sin. Think about it. Because of all of those little descriptions, we end up angry. And when that anger has not been dealt with, it turns into bitterness. And bitterness turns into hatred. And so we are dwelling in sin without a conscious thought. Because sin causes us to act out of character. Just think about it. Born again, spirit, spirit filled, tongue speaking. Let somebody cut across you in traffic. Go to the store and let somebody snatch your money out of your hand. You'll be, you'll be speaking in tongues, all right. Because sin causes us to act out of the character that God purposed for us. Now remember what God said. I know the thoughts I think towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, no calamity. That's what that evil means. I don't want no calamity in your life. Those are the thoughts I have for you to give you an expected end, to give you an expected end. Your end will not be like that if you don't recognize who your savior is because he helps us to be who we can't be in the flesh. He takes us out of our brokenness and makes us whole and, and, and enable us and allow us to walk in a righteousness that we can't do without the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay? Now, there are three women in the, in the Old Testament comes to mind that proves out this verse. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts I think of you. Okay? And guess who those women are? Ruth the daughter-in-law of Naomi, Bathsheba, David's <laughs> wife. I'm coming back. <laughs> Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, let's kind of talk about these three ladies. <laughs> Ruth was the daughter-in-law of Naomi, and her husband, Ruth's, I mean, Naomi's son, and Naomi's father, I mean husband, died. Now, they left their hometown, Naomi and her, hus her husband and her sons, to go somewhere that God didn't send them. So they went to a foreign land. 
And instead of taking dominion of it, which is what God wants us to do, do you know if you've been born again here in the United States of America, you're living in a foreign country? Oh, Jesus. As a born-again believer on this earth, we're in foreign territory. Because we belong to a higher kingdom. And we're only here for that kingdom to be realized here on earth as it is in heaven and to change things by the power and authority that we get from Jesus Christ. Amen. See, that's why we're catching so much hell because we don't know who we are and where we're at. Okay? So, therefore, they go to a country that causes demise in their life and so the men die. And so now Ruth I'm sorry, Naomi is ready to go back home where she came from, and she tells her daughter-in-laws, you know, you all stay here. This is your home because there's nothing I have for you because I don't have uh, any other sons for you to marry, and I'm too old. So by the time I would get pregnant and have one, you'll be old by the time they come of age to marry. Okay, so Ruth says, no, I'm going with you. Your God is my God. That was wisdom. I'm telling y'all that the whole gist of this is wisdom, okay? She had enough wisdom to follow Ruth and not stay in that hell she grew up in. So that she would have a way out to see a better life. She not only follows her, she serves her God, and then she obeys whatever Naomi tells her to do, and Naomi sends her out to work in the field that happens to be of a born-again man of God who was wealthy, named Boaz. She goes to the field to work. She ain't going to the field looking for a man. Okay? More wisdom. And in that field, she finds a husband. But really, she recognized eventually a husband. The man finds her in his field working. (laughs) Oh, glory. So the bottom line, y'all have to go to the scriptures and read this if you want to know more about it. The bottom line is that uh, Ruth gets to marry a wealthy, God-fearing man. Why? Because two things happen. She didn't go out looking for him, what the Bible tells you women. Don't be going out looking for no man. And, but the man found her, which the Bible tells the man, you will find a good thing when you find a wife. Amen. He's supposed to be doing the looking. Amen. He's supposed to be able to find a diamond in the rough. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. And it, <laughs> glory, hallelujah. So what started out to be a devastating story ended up being a blessing. Amen? Because that's how God works. You may be in a mess today, but just hold on to God because he says, I know the thoughts I think towards you. Thoughts of peace. Thoughts of a future. It doesn't end here because you reaping a lot of hell right now it doesn't end with that I got a better plan for your life just keep your eyes on me keep your focus on me and walk the path I set before you now let's talk about Bathsheba minding her own business 
married to a devoted soldier in David's army. Amen. He's out on the field doing the work, fighting the battle, and David is at home looking at his wife from a distance while she bathed. And then all of that, what, 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 what can I call it? Men, help me out. <laughs> Lustful feelings rises up with no care about, that's not your wife. That's somebody else's wife, but it doesn't matter. I'm the king. I got it going on. And I can have what I want when I want it. So he causes her to be an adulteress. She gets pregnant, and now he's got to try to cover that. So he plots and plans that her husband gets killed on the, war, on, the, on the battlefield to cover his sin. You can't cover sin. When you try to cover sin, it's greater. So he dies. He gets killed on the battlefield. She, he, she, uh, David marries Bathsheba, and then all hell breaks out because they start having children and the first child and God takes this child. So they have to deal, you're gonna to have to deal with your sin and the best way to deal with it today, thank God, because of the cross and the blood is all you got to do is confess it and it's over. Confess it and he said, I'll forgive you of your sin, amen. But they had to pay some consequences because this is before Jesus came on the scene, okay? But the good news is she has a son named Solomon. <laughs> Solomon becomes the king, a righteous king. And a lot of good comes out of that, okay? So the story eventually ends well, okay? Now, Mary. Mary is a, a, a little innocent teenage girl who don't have a clue what God's plans are for her. So she becomes impregnated supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. Now, for the sake, and, and I do this because I was raised up as a Catholic, and for anybody who's on Zoom too, for the sake of Catholicism, Mary was not a saint. She's just a human being that had the favor of God upon her life to do a ministry, and that ministry was to carry the seed of Jesus Christ, who would be the savior of the world. Yes. We have the uh, anointed position of certain gifts that God has given to us to bring some changes in the world. That's the favor of God, amen? Okay, so anyway, she gets pregnant, and she's not even married. So that's the challenge because the guy who she was engaged to, to marry, now had the opportunity to cast her aside because he feels that she has have fornicated and committed sin. He doesn't realize, no, this was supernatural, but he does get the message. But the law in that time was that a woman who got pregnant like that, fornicating, and she's engaged to someone else, to be stoned to death. Yes. To be stoned to death. But God keeps her because she's on an assignment. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you're on an assignment for Christ, let me tell you 
you ain't going nowhere until that assignment has been completed. <laughs> so the angel comes and speaks to Joseph to encourage him. This is supernatural. She has not had sex with anyone else, including you. Don't fret. Don't worry. I got you. We're going to take care of this. Marry her. Okay. So he marries her. And of course, the baby Jesus is born, but they leave, leave their country to go um, uh, to Bethlehem because they're taking a census like they do right here. And so they had to go for the census, and therefore, by the time they got there, all the hotel rooms was taken up. So Jesus had to be born in a stable with the animals in the lowest place. There was a purpose for that. The purpose for that was the king of the world, the savior of the world that's born in the lowest places means whosoever will, I don't care what your background is, what you've done, you can come as you are and you can be saved and you will be known as the top. Hallelujah, Jesus. You can't get too low for God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come as you are. Thank you, Father. So that all end very good, right? Their latter part was greater than the former. And these are stories of women who did not have a fairy tale life story. Get over yourselves. You weren't put here for you. The fairy tale is if you get saved. And you can go back and tell somebody else your testimony to bring them out. But the problem is, we don't want to talk about the before Christ. We want to only talk about the after Christ. Because we want people to think, what you see now, that's how I've always been. Oh, holy. No. What's going to help somebody else is talk about where you came from. What you were like before Christ. So they can have some hope to know, I can make it. If she made it, I can make it. Tell somebody, tell somebody right now the hell that you and the torment that you're having inside that you're waiting for God to deliver you from. And when God, as you're born again, Holy Ghost, tongue, speaking self, deliver you from that mess that you're battling with inside, tell somebody how you got over, how you got free because of Jesus Christ. more highly of yourself than you ought so God can do the work he needs to do in the inward part of you let me tell you you ain't shining as bright as you think you're shining because you know as well as God knows the mess that you're battling with inside he's just waiting for an open door for you to invite him in and let him do the perfect work in you Thank you, Jesus. They realized the struggle was more worth it, more than worth it, compared to the reward at the end. See, when you go through a hard struggle and God brings you through, when you come through, it's just like the delivering of a baby. The hard pain that you feel during the birth, you know, the uh, birthing time, that you feel like you're going to die, yeah. 
and Lord, I can't make it. But as soon as that baby come through that birth canal, you feel no more pain. But that's what happens when God gets you over. When God brings you through a hard time, all the hell and the pain that you've been living in or you're living in right now, when God brings you through, it's like you can't even remember it. And guess what? It only comes up when it's time for you to testify about it. He don't bring it back to your remembrance and say, now you remember when you was a mess? He only brings it up when it's time to testify so somebody else can come through and get free. Hallelujah. Because he's not the accuser of the brethren. Satan is. If it's coming up, that's because Satan wants you to be oppressed and not fulfill your God-given purpose. Because when we are feeling, fulfilling our God-given purpose and living according to his will and his way, Jesus is glorified by our lives. And he don't want God glorified. So Satan will always be whispering stuff to you to have you to stay in stupid feel. I make up my own words. <laughs> Ladies, don't let your focus be on only on how you feel. And how someone else can make you feel. Or how they can make you happy. Keep your eyes on God yeah. and your heart trusting God yeah. to fulfill your God-given purpose as a mother, a woman, and a wife. Yeah. Amen. There are seven major points for a marriage that God instituted between one man and one woman to be united spiritually, emotionally, physically, legally, in a lifetime bond of loyal love. Loyal love. Now let me tell you, when I say one man, one woman, my mind is not on gender as much as it is not having outsiders come into your relationship with their opinions and their views. See, we, we only look at that one area because since they legalized that mess now, that's so predominant. But there are some other things that's just as bad as when you invite outsiders to come into your relationship and you're discussing the woes and the problems with them, and then you're listening to unbelievers to give you some instructions and directions on how to live with your spouse, and you're all supposed to be born again. Yeah. That relationship is between one man, one woman, yeah. not your posse, yeah. and not even your parents if they ain't giving Amen. you godly instruction. Amen. Get them out. I read earlier where the man's supposed to leave and cleave. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Now, there are seven points here that tell us how to do this. To be a partnership between one man and one woman. See, if you have a partnership, we're in agreement yep. that we're going to work this thing together God's way. Amen. You follow me? Yes. Okay. If you had a business business and you went in partnership with them, you wouldn't be in partnership with somebody whose vision and plan was completely opposite of what you're doing. It wouldn't work. No. 
So why do you get married and think you're going to have one vision and she's going to have another vision and we're just going to work this thing out? Mm, okay. Um, to be a permanent union, you don't go in it trying it out. You don't try it out before you make it legal. Let me tell you, it ain't enough lifetime to live with a person and think you're going to know them enough to, to, to know whether you should marry them. You don't stop learning each other until death do you part. And I, and I tell you something else. It's something a little bit different living... <laughs> I started to say something. Help me, Holy Ghost. <laughs> living with a person fornicating than actually being legally bound to that person. People change. <laughs> when there's a real commitment there, things change. And you don't know them. Let me tell you, when you get married to somebody and, and, and you've been living with them, do you know that you know, that you know them better than their mama did? Yeah. Yeah. And their children don't have a clue. They just think they know. They don't have a clue. Okay, okay, I'm trying to be be real. He'll help y'all, and, yeah, and y'all try to act yeah. all. I know it's true because I'm married. <laughs> Therefore, you have to go into that relationship with the idea and the thought pattern. This is permanent. Amen. How dare you to think you can try it out? And if it works, then we'll legalize it. Who do you think you are? Amen. Oh, okay. Help me, Holy Ghost. Mm. We're getting hot up in here. Okay. Um, three, to produce spiritual unity between husbands and wives. Let me tell you, your spiritual relationship together is the glue that keeps you and the family together. It is the glue. There is no other glue. Don't tell me about I love you. <laughs> that love is not enough if it's not spiritual agape yes. it's sexual love yes. and, and, and it's not going to last forever nope. so if you haven't laid the foundation out of pure love when the physical is no longer happening yep. because of mother nature yep. Yep. you won't be in big time trouble because you have not formed a real relationship, a spiritual relationship, a loyal, trusting relationship with that other person. That's what our problem is. We're looking at everything physically. Let me tell you, that performance is not going to keep you in the relationship. Anybody can perform. Animals perform. Okay, um... The fourth thing is to provide for the procreation of children. This is how children come into the world. That's why uh, fornicating is such a sin, because you have no intentions of living with somebody and having children if you're trying it out. <laughs> also, two people of the same sex can't produce nothing but some must and funk. Okay. We, I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sorry if you're offended, but I got to be real. Because when you out there in the world, you listen to her far more worse than that. And you don't even flinch over it. So don't be up here trying to be so Holy Ghost. 
spiritual that you can't receive the truth. I can only tell it the way it is. Amen. <laughs> okay, the fifth reason is to positively channel sexual and emotional in energy. Positively channel it. Okay, so that means you don't be getting your freak on. <laughs> that is an interaction, a way of expressing your love for each other. And God created that to be a pure good thing, okay? Yeah. Satan perverted that, yeah. and he puts his perverted ideas into our hearts and our minds. Amen? Yeah. Okay. Um, number six, to serve as a principal building block of society. Hmm. The world is in the mess it's in because we have perverted marital relationships. It is to be the model, the plan for society. Amen? That's why God created. He said it is not good for man to be alone. That we were to come together to build and to create something far greater than we can even imagine because our relationship with each other as husband and wife is the same as Jesus is to the church. Amen. Amen. And uh, the seventh point is to be a picture of God's relationship with Israel and of Christ's relationship with the church is called covenant. If we can't break our covenant with God, then we shouldn't be able to break our covenant in a marital relationship. Amen. Amen. Now, getting back to the characteristics of male and female with a woman, I remember I said God just uh, gave us automatically intuition. We don't all use it, but we all have it. <laughs> okay. And the word intuition is the power of a or faculty of attaining to direct knowledge or, cogn or cognitive with, without rational thought and, and inference. That means you females, we have the natural ability to direct knowledge without a prethought. We're supposed to be naturally able to have intuition. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But when you let other stuff come in, crawl out your mind where the, the natural ability can flow, or you listening to some other male gender that has put you down and made you feel less than anything where you can't naturally flow in what God has given you, which is probably one of the greatest damages. The other female can't destroy you as much as a male can with who he thinks you are or who he says that you are because he don't know. He don't even know who he is. Because think about it. If you are as jacked up, messed up as he have convinced you to be, then why is he with you? You know, familiar spirits attract. So that's why you don't even listen to that. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. Okay, another definition is quick and ready insight. That's what God has given us. We just need to use it. God revealed to me what you've given to me so I can walk in it because it's a gift that must 
be used in order for the good to happen. It's a gift. With men, their gift is to be practical, which means actively engaged in some cause of action or occupation. Do y'all hear that? Men were naturally born to work. <laughs> so, ladies, if they're not working, keep on stepping. Another definition is concern with voluntary action and ethical decisions. God has automatically put this in man. Now, he's automatically created us like that, but we allow Satan to come in and pervert the gifts that God has naturally given us, and we operate opposite of what God has given to us. Men are the producers, and women are the deliverers. All work well together only according to God's design and not man's broken desire. Have you noticed when things do not go according to our desires, we try to go back to the past to muster up happiness, a good feeling, or success, which never happens. Because we cannot live in an era that has passed away. We are going forward. If you choose to stand still because you can't go with the flow, in the, in the moment, just staying where you are, decay happens, destruction happens, anger, unhappiness, and failure, and then death. You hear that? So you, you just live and then you die? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, okay. And all of this happens with no accomplishments. Because remember what God said. What God said, not what a man have said, not what a woman have said. I know the thoughts I think towards you. Amen. And those are thoughts for you to be at peace, not in calamity, and to give you an expected end. That means a future. And Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now, think about something. The scripture that I keep saying, the, the, the God says, I know the thoughts I have towards you, comes out of Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Where, the, where there's no vision, the people perish. Proverbs 29, verse 18. The number two represents God the Father and God the Son united together. The number nine represents new birthing. These particular, particular verses, if you let them digest in your spirit, then the Father and the Son is working a new thing in you. Amen. Amen. But, okay, let's talk about vision. The Hebrew definition is insight, revelation of the Bible, and the Bible gives us instructions and directions in life. Okay? Therefore, when you do not know the word, nor follow the, wor the word, you have no clue what the Lord's plans are for you and where you're going in life. Thereby, you end up accomplishing nothing and more especially if God's plans of if God's plans will take you from your comfort level we got people who kind of know what where God is taking them but they're not moving because they're not comfortable with it and I'm not just talking about in the church I'm really talking more about in the world you don't want to go where he's sending you 
because it's challenging you. Well, if you're not challenged, you don't grow. You can't stay stagnant. You can't stay doing and thinking the same old thoughts forever and a day. Okay? Now, if you created yourself, then doing what you think or want and living in fear, doubt, and anxiety, it can work for you. However, if God created you and you are born again by the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross of Calvary, then those thoughts and those ways will not work for you because the Bible says the just shall live by faith and not by sight. And that faith is in Jesus, not in a man, not in finances, not in occupation, not in the world system. Both male and female was created by God. And our image comes from God. Our traits are to be developed through God by the power of the Holy Ghost. Women are empowered to fit the mode of mother and mothers and wives from and by the Holy Spirit. Men are empowered to fit the position of fathers and husbands from and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we need to look to the hills from whence all of our help comes from and change our ways and our thoughts to line up with God's ways, his thoughts, then we will have good success, good Hallelujah. courage. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Okay. Um, I know this was a lot of fussing and instructions, but... Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to... Um, um, hmm. I don't always follow the directions of the order of service, but I'm going to use this as an opportunity. I don't know if you heard anything that's going to help pull you up out of your rut um, of life based on what you come to know and come to understand because you have not heard the word of God to tell you who you are what is expected out of you in life as you reside here on this earth in this foreign place. So if this is all really Greek to you and Hebrew to you, then we're going to pray and ask God to come into your heart, Amen. open up your understanding and to save you so that you can walk in the knowledge of knowing who Jesus is as well as knowing who you are and what your purpose is all about. Because see, God created us and he created us for him. And that is to give him praise and honor and glory. And how we do that is by how we live life in, on this earth, in this world. It's, it's not just coming from when we get up here and we raise our hands and we sing our songs and praise God, but it's how you are actually living your life day by day. 
Amen. And the only way that we can live our lives day by day in righteousness and holiness is to know who our Savior is and to be connected to him because you cannot live without the power of the Holy Ghost to direct you, to keep you, to guide you, to comfort you. Amen. So I'm going to do the prayer of salvation. And, and it's just so simple to have the power to live like that just by inviting Jesus into your heart to save you. So I just want you to repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I come to you to be saved, to be changed, to be purged, and to be blessed. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and I have overcome the cares of this world by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. I thank you, Jesus, for coming in my heart and saving me. I thank you, Father, for the gift of salvation and for the gift of the infilling of the Holy Spirit that will help me, lead me in the path of righteousness for your name's sake, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus. Now, what you need to do, if this is the first time you've prayed that prayer, you need to tell somebody, I'm saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to do the benediction, and then we'll open it up for questions and answers. And so, okay, I'm going to do my favorite benediction. Hallelujah. Because we do need the blessing. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Father. The Lord bless you. <laughs> May Yahweh, he who exists, kneel before you, making himself available to you as your heavenly father so he can bestow upon you his promises and gifts and keep you and guard you with a hedge of thorny protection so past lovers can't get back to you. Hallelujah, Jesus. That will prevent Satan and all of your enemies from harming you. May he protect your body, soul, mind, and spirit, your loved ones, and all your possessions. The Lord make his face shine upon you. May Yahweh, he who exists, illuminate the wholeness of his being toward you, continually bringing to you order so that you will fulfill your God-given destiny and purpose. And be gracious to you. May Yahweh, he who exists, provide you with perfect love and fellowship, never leaving you and give you sustenance, provision, and friendship. The Lord lift up his countenance on you. May Yahweh, he who exists, lift up and carry his fullness of being toward you, bringing everything that he has to your aid, supporting you with his divine embrace and his entire being, and give you peace. May Yahweh, he who exists, set in place all you need to be whole and complete so you can walk in victory moment by moment by the power of the Holy Spirit. May he give you supernatural health, peace, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfection, fullness, rest, harmony, as well as the absence of agitation and discord. In Jesus' name, amen.
praise the Lord.